Hello and welcome to the next class. I'm Rob Birdsill, your co-host, joined as always by my co-host, Tom Bergford. Tom, you're not at home. Where are you? I'm in England visiting family at this point, Rob, but great to be with you today for this, uh, this next edition of the next class. Great. Well, I hope your trip to your family in England is good. And Thank you. I'm very excited to introduce our listeners to a longtime friend and mentor, BJ Casson. BJ, welcome to the next class. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. So I'm going to start, BJ, with when you and I first met. Uh, this is a great story. I uh, There's this Jesuit priest who uh, has been a familiar guest on the show, Father Foley, who started coming out to my house and harassing me, saying he needed help with this fledgling <laughs> organization called the Christory Network. And so we started talking, and, and, and he said, well, if this is getting serious, you gotta you got to go meet the boss. And I said, I thought you were. He's like, oh, no, 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 you got to go meet B.J. Casson. And I was like, okay. And at the time, you were board chair of the Christory Network. And I uh, was told that I'm to fly out to Lake Tahoe. And I had my interview at the end of your pier. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was 2007. Seems like a lifetime ago, though, B.J. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And um, I made the right decision. That was a, uh, but that was one of the hardest time. That was one of the most grueling interviews I have had. I mean, it was, BJ, probably three hours. Probably. <laughs> I think yeah, well, that was, or, you know, what makes uh, people tick? Uh, what? Why is he interested in this? Does he have the passion, background, uh, the personality to fit in with the, you know, with the group and all that sort of thing? So. You know, you got to do more than 10 minutes to get to that point. <laughs> well, an ruling interview means that the people who are interviewing you, Rob, are serious, right? Oh, no, I think BJ was serious. Uh, it's it's no fun, right? Being having those interviews, we've all had them, but uh, it's important. And, you know, and that, I mean, Crystal Ray is so important to Catholic education in the United States. We know that. And BJ, you were there at the very beginning. So just as we as we get going, can can you tell us how you initially got connected to Crystal Ray and why you were really moved to make such a major investment in this this ministry, this mission? Okay, well, a, a little quick background personally. Uh, my brother and I were, were first in our family uh, to go to college, uh, and we all know that uh, uh, education changes lives and certainly changed my brother and my life. He had two masters and a PhD in marine biology, and uh, I had uh, AB economics out of Holy Cross and, and uh, went to U.S. Marine Corps uh, leadership uh, post uh, school for Five years. I was in the Marine for five years before I uh, got out and got into uh, into the business world. And my and my wife was a teacher before the babies came, and both her parents uh, were uh, lifelong educators. So, uh, right. The, 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 the short answer is it, it was in the DNA of uh, right of, of, of both of us. Um, when when we were in a position to do to help other kids like. You know, we have been helped. Um, we did it through primarily uh, scholarships for the underserved locally here in, in our, our local high school, St. Francis High School, and 
and the University of Santa Clara, et cetera. And uh, it was rewarding. Uh, we got nice letters from them or we, had, we even met, met, met with them, et cetera. But uh, uh, being a business guy, and especially the last 20 years at that point as a venture capitalist, you know, where's the leverage? How, how can my dollar reach uh, more than one kid? How can it reach right. them, et cetera? And so um, at, the, at the time I was uh, chair of the board of trustees at St. Mary's College in Moraga out here, Christian Brothers. And they had um, middle schools called San Miguel Middle Schools. And um, I knew the Jesuits very well. And so I uh, knew of their nativity schools. And at that time, I think collectively there were probably uh, 18, 20 of them throughout the United States. And they did great work in that taking kids in the middle, into middle school, bring them up to a grade level and get them in prepared to be successful in high school. And they had graduate support programs that worked with these kids to make sure they were successful. Mm -hmm. So I was noodling around um, how to uh, replicate the, these, these models. So all this is going on in the, in the back of my head. And uh, I, get, I received a call from uh, someone that I had uh, met uh, probably 10 years earlier, Jeff Thielman. Uh, Jeff uh, came to our parish and was raising money for a project of his down in Tacna, Peru, where he was a, a Jesuit volunteer uh, with, with Father Foley, by the way. So the plot, plot thickens. Ah, right. Anyway, yep. uh, Jeff comes back, uh, goes to law school, uh, practices law for a couple of years, and Father Foley talked him into becoming the development director. So um, I get this call and, uh, oh, Jeff, how you doing? Where you going? Development director, wonderful. And of course, I, I knew what was coming next when he said he was development director. And he said, well, we know we're building this building and you know, you're know, blah, 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 blah. I said, you know, uh, what you're telling me about the school, the work study, et cetera, you know, that's really intriguing. Uh, uh, don't count on me for anything in the building that you're trying to raise funds for, but uh, I'll come out and take a look, which I did with my daughter, uh, Kate, and uh, one day trip to San Francisco, Chicago, and then back that night. And um, uh, the, the epiphany happened uh, after uh, it was summertime, so there were really no kids there, which is unusual. Usually, it's the kid mm. that puts everything together. But um, uh, the, the, the thought process that I went through with replicating the middle schools, all of a sudden you layer this on and from a business uh, approach, um, is there a demand? Uh, how do we supply it? Uh, how do the kids get jobs? How do we get the the uh, educational infrastructure, well, there were a lot of people around to do that in, in my naivete. And um, so it, it really didn't take long. Uh, uh, a day or two later, I called John and said that, Father Foley, and said that, um, you know, we would like to, to help with the, uh, with the replication. Mm. And uh, a couple of days later, I get a call, a call that, uh, uh, the chair of the board would like to meet with me. And would, would, could I come up to Chicago? Rosemary Krogan, by, by name, 
And and I know exactly what it was. Uh, it was a dinner to figure out who the hell I was, or was I nuts? <laughs> and and uh, was I was I serious about doing this? So uh, that that was my first sale, if you will, in convincing uh, uh, for them to quit because they're gonna. There's only one school, and they're gonna have to cooperate in coming up, and the people will come and visit, and all that sort of thing. And so, uh, uh, you know, off off we uh, went. Je uh, I hired Jeff Thielman, who was moving back to Boston anyway, as the executive director. And uh, uh, we did a good job, I think, of codifying what one had to do in feasibility studies. Um, you know, in very, there are three or four um, religious orders that had come by looking at uh, the original Christa Ray uh, to, to kind of understand it and, and figure out is this something they could do with it. So uh, there was some prospects already uh, when we, we, we started. In fact, the first one was in uh, Portland, Portland, Oregon, the Christian Brothers. And, mm -hmm. and, and so it was uh, off to the races and we're 40 schools yeah, so BJ, I know in, in Washington, D.C., I was very familiar with the Washington um, Washington Middle School, uh, again, the, the San Miguel School. So in some sense, Crystal Ray built upon your passion for uh, creative education for underserved kids at middle school because it goes through through high school and beyond. Right. So it seems like there was some continuity that made sense to you at that point. You got it. That's right. You did. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Interesting. So, BJ, you've been engaged in this project, this Christa Ray movement. What year was that when you went out to see John? 2000. So he had been open for four years. Yeah. Um, so 23 years. You've got, I mean, we could spend the rest of this podcast on stories, but there's got to be one story that just stands out for you for some reason well um there are so many so many stories um uh the, the overview of all the stories are especially in the early days the first 5 10 12 14 uh, schools um uh, we were, we were a brotherhood and sisterhood you know we all had this beady-eyed mission that we were all uh working to uh, to achieve and uh, we liked each other and we laughed uh, with each other and we did very little crying together. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, one of the uh, most uh, happy times in my career in that all the people I had worked with, um, uh, you know, everybody uh, had the same objective in mind and, and all those things. I think a seminal mo moment uh, was I think it was 2003 when we uh, the, the, the initial group of schools and Father Foley and uh, Preston uh, Kendall who worked uh, with John at that time we met at um, the Del Delmar uh, Ray in, in, La in Los Angeles it was a, a seedy motel uh, but on the water with all the boats and everything. And, and uh, I know it's seedy because it was a sign that we're tearing it down in two months to build a, uh, build a new uh, facility. 
but anyway, um, uh, we, we, there was a consensus that, uh, hey, uh, there's going to be multiple schools, um, and uh, we're going to have to support them from a, a network. I don't think we used the word at that time. And there have to be standards. If you're going to be a Christian race school, you have to have some standards. Mm. So everybody looked at each other and said, well, what are the standards? And that's where we said, let's meet. And so for, I think it was three days, uh, and down the street, they were filming a movie. So we're, you know, we're near Hollywood and all that sort of thing. So we had, we had some fun with, uh, with that and some good dinners. But out of that came uh, uh, the 10 standards that uh, exist today that have been um, uh, updated and, and modified in some respects, but the, fundamentally they're there. Um, the, the, the second one being if it's for the underserved community. And that has to uh, be de defined, as we learn later, geographically, uh, because uh, a family of uh, eight in Silicon Valley make $60,000. Uh, that's poverty out here. In Lawrence, Massachusetts, uh, 20,000, 25,000, at least in those days. And so th that to me was, um, uh, was a, tur a turning point uh, where the, all the Hale Relief Fellows uh, codified what really uh, uh, Christian Ray was all about. And uh, th that's when we really formalized the, the network and cast casting out to, to, uh, to find a, a leader for it. Um, I always tell this story because uh, I, uh, you know, I ask, people ask me, well, uh, what, what was the return on investment of your, you know, all the, all the work you did and the capital that you put into it? And I thought, and sometimes I tear up, I immediately go, go to, uh, uh, I attended the graduation of uh, Christa Ray Tucson, Arizona, and got um, uh, said a few words, and uh, it was a wonderful uh, occasion, and when it ended, Everybody just mingled in this big crowd, walking around, families talking to each other, et cetera. And um, I had this uh, elderly gentleman, hat, cowboy hat, uh, uh, jeans, uh, cow cowboy shirt, uh, weathered face, obviously that's outside work, calloused hands, came up and shook my hand. And he said that, uh, th thank you for what, what I had done and that uh, his grandson was the first to graduate from high school, never mind first in family to go to college. He's going to the University of Arizona. And I'll never, I'll never forget that man. Wow. It's amazing, BJ. And that school in Tucson, I've, I was there um, this past fall. It's it's doing great. Their, their leader, Dave Mason, is, is one of the best. Yeah. He was just voted on yesterday to be the representative on the board of directors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And uh, I've got here uh, for our listeners. You can't see what I'm holding up, but uh, this I is the emblem. It. Tom, it's the emblem of Christa Ray. That's great. And this saying that says nobody can stop the dance that we've started. And uh, yeah. BJ and I were fortunate to have dinner a year ago at the Christa Ray annual meeting and BJ's sponsored a dinner for what he called the founders. And it, those were those people you're talking about that were just so on fire. I mean, 
St. Ignatius talks about, you know, go light the world on fire. Those men and women in those early years, they, they certainly have lit the world on fire. We're going to take a brief pause here for a word from our sponsor. Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. We develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of our partner schools and their students. Visit our website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. Okay, Tom, back to you. And BJ and Rob, you know, in my time when I was working in the Archdiocese of Washington, I had the privilege of seeing Don Bosco Cristo Ray get off the ground in Washington. And uh, I mean, thank you to you guys, because not only do we see the benefits in the lives transformed of low-income and underserved children and young people getting to college throughout the country, but also it's a challenging witness to the established Catholic education landscape as how you can do something different. And there was some boldness, some creativity with Father Foley and with you guys to do something different, which has been transformative. So just from, from my perspective, as someone who's been on the, I guess, the more, more traditional Catholic school side, uh, thank you for that, because it was challenging to us. Um, I remember working in the archdiocese and sort of being challenged by this, this new school that was popping up with a lot of support. And uh, looking back, it was absolutely tremendous. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, in certain unnamed dioceses, we did have uh, a tussle uh, opening the schools. I've been concerned about uh, poaching students from their other Catholic schools. Of course, our kids couldn't afford it, and uh, poaching uh, funders, which no one ever proved to me that that occurred. But anyway, thank you. But in BJ, Father Larry Reuter, who was at Loyal Academy when Father Foley started Christory, he would say that he raised more money because of Christory for Loyal Academy. That alums who maybe were disengaged, all of a sudden he would bring them down to Christory and they would give to Christory, but now they're give to Loyal Academy because. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's more to go around than just one apple. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and BJ, just let, let's switch gears just for, for a minute here. Um, I, I mean, I know you also have been very involved in the, the Drexel Fund, um, getting engaged with that. Can you tell us a, a little bit about the, the Drexel Fund uh, for education and also its impact uh, that it's had since, I guess it started in 2014, is that right? Yeah, 20, 2014. Yeah, really, uh, it was Rob and uh, uh, John Erickson. Uh, uh, John Erickson, um, at the, the age of 34, was uh, superintendent of instruction for the Diocese of Patterson, and mm -hmm. uh, and did a, a lot of uh, uh, very interesting and constructive uh, changes to the Catholic education in that uh, in that diocese. And I know John from. Uh, some some other work that we we're both involved with, and um, I, th I think credit for the the impetus of getting it going is really uh, you, Rob, and uh, and John. Do you agree? Well, it, I I'd actually give it to you, BJ, because I was working independently on a project through my time at the Aspen Institute around a, a charter school growth like fund for right. private, predominantly Catholic schools. Right. But John was independently was kind of working on the same thing, and you you connected the two of us. All right, good for me. Huh. <laughs> yeah, 
So I didn't I didn't know John and John didn't know we knew of each other, but it was my work with you, brainstorming with you and um and then Darren Jackson also. Darren was early right. on right. Uh, helping us think through um you know an investment model. So I think so, it was so the, what, four, the four of us been, really. What's been the impact of the Drexel Fund? Let's let's hone in there. Well, um Basically, it's it's a fund that starts schools for the underserved. Um, it's got to be high quality, financially sustainable, uh, and replicatable. If, with the word financial sustainability, that means it has to be in a, a, a tax credit state, a, a state that uh, uh, has vouchers that can be used in private schools and private faith-based schools. And so that was the premise upon which the uh, the business plan was put together when we decided to, uh, after I put these two guys together and uh, the three of us uh, basically with them doing most of the work put together a business plan and uh, sounded good but we needed a lot of money. So um, we set up a meeting at the Hilton Airport in Chicago. They have these rooms where you can put everybody flies in, you can have a meeting and then everybody right. flies out. And uh, we invited the uh, uh, a, a number of uh, foundations and uh, uh, family philanthropists, et cetera, uh, and, uh, and uh, made our presentation and uh, pitched. Uh, one of the lesser highlights is one of the uh, people we invited came in late and in the room we were in was set up for a cocktail party, not us, uh, later on and had a pyramid of glasses probably a hundred glasses in a big pyramid. <laughs> this gentleman hit it and they all fell on the floor. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgot about that BJ. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, and, and, and um, so, so I, in, in venture capital, uh, when you look at a deal and analyze it and you do some due diligence and you tell the sponsor, the one who's taking the lead investor, um, I'll soft circle this, which means I've got to go back to my partners, do more diligence. If I say hard circle, I'm I'm in. I mean, it's 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 a it's, it's a firm handshake, uh, and your word is good. So at the end, I'm asking everybody for a for a, a soft circle, and and so the next 15 minutes, I'm explaining in venture capital what that means. But anyway, out of that, you know, we didn't expect. Uh, you know, you always go for the close, but we didn't expect. Uh, anybody to jump up and say, I'm in. But um, th that produced Walton, who uh, became our anchor investor for the first fund of 24 million, the second fund of 26 million, and hopefully the anchor of the 32 million fund that we're uh, working uh, on uh, right now. Um, since 2004, um, we've opened uh, 59 schools. Wow. Created 16,000 seats, and uh, we should exceed uh, 20,000 by the end of our coming fiscal year because of the pipeline that we have. Wow. Uh, what we found is that uh, there, there is a, a thirst for private education. There's some of the religious base, uh, besides Catholic, you, you name it, and the uh, Baptist, Methodist, uh, Jewish, um, 
but uh, the families are looking for a quality education for their their kids, and uh, this is the cohort of folks that uh, can't afford uh, private right. schools, and they're, they're not being served by the uh, by the public schools, and um, so uh, what we found uh, uh, initial uh, strong. Um, a strong uh, hit ratio of people who come to us. We have a very strict uh, due diligence process. Um, we formed a uh, founders program where there are uh, educators slash entrepreneurs who have an idea for a school and we'll pay their salary for a year and uh, let them come up with a business plan. And um, we've been very successful uh, uh, with that. So we got more work, worker bees, you know, uh, work, working for us towards uh, opening these uh, these schools. So right. it's been um, uh, an amazing uh, eight years, really, which is uh, again amazing. Um, we have a uh, uh, fantastic board, each of them heavily uh, financially invested in the fund, and. Uh, 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 take great pride and uh, um, work hard at, uh, if they're just not writing check, they're very active in, in the, uh, the strategies and all that sort of thing. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, when they were uh, by law uh, required to close, but even then most of the schools were open during, uh, during COVID. So you don't, didn't have a lot of uh, uh, loss uh, from the loss of learning for for those uh, kids, um, right? BJ, I would argue that one of the biggest impacts of Drexel is the uh, change in attitudes towards uh, voucher and tax credit legislation. We were seeing universal choice. That when you, John, and I were starting it, one of our theories was there aren't enough good programs out there to support private schools serving low-income kids. Right. I would argue your 20,000, 16,000 seats are some of the primary reasons we're seeing sweeping legislation across the country, yep. places like Iowa and Oklahoma, and um, right. places we did not have it. I mean, when we started, it was really just Florida, Ohio, to a certain degree, Indiana and Wisconsin. Yeah. But now, yeah. what states are you guys investing in now? Um uh, but, but just to add to what you're saying, and it's it's, it's growing. So our market, if you will, yep. market is, ex is is expanding, and that's why um, when I said we, it looks like we could be over twenty thousand seats from sixteen, uh, that's just the backlog that we've got coming into the uh, into the market. Uh, wow. Yep. If, if you will. Uh, what was the question? No, it, yeah. no, I was just I was just saying. Uh, Tom had asked what the big impact was, and I think oh, one of the arguably one of the biggest impacts is because of the quality of schools you guys are right. supporting other states are seeing that and saying i want that yeah. and that that was one of our goals pj early on was like let's we can't you know we've got groups that are trying to get tax credits and vouchers like the american federation for children doing really good work there was just not the supply there right yeah well and you you can't grow programs like that if you don't have quality quality right. is essential yeah. It's, I mean, that's the foundation. And to say nothing of the fact that it is right and just for students, for kids. Yeah. Of, of the, uh, another statistic of the 59 schools that have opened, only two have closed. 
Wow. That's yeah. in that's, that's a, uh, uh, to me, a testament of the uh, due diligence that uh, uh, our worldwide staff does, which is two partners and three right. admins. Yeah, right. that's, that is a remarkable statistic. Yep. But, and, um, BJ, wanting to uh, shift gears one last time here, as we uh, want to be respectful of your time, a number of our listeners are school leaders, people running nonprofits. You've been incredibly generous over many, many years uh, to not just Catholic schools, but to nonprofits. You and BB have been very supportive. Um, I, I'm sure that they would love to ask you how, how should they, or how would you recommend school leaders or nonprofit leaders interact and engage with prospective donors and current donors? Use the kids. <laughs> Seriously, I help uh, found the local Christa Ray here in San Jose uh, eight years ago. And um, uh, when you bring someone through and uh, meet the uh, ambassadors, a couple of the kids, uh, they go through and, uh, and uh, see, see the uh, uh, education, see the, the, in the case of the Christopher Ray School, the work study program, what that can do, and, and then sit down and chat with a couple of the students. You know, all this is set up. I mean, you just stand back and, uh, and uh, have the tin cup ready to, to uh, catch the, the, the shekels that come your way. <laughs> I think the, the, the overall is, and, and I, that's why I said, get, get the kids involved. Um, I've found that obviously uh, one-on-ones, you can't uh, do that, but the one-on-ones uh, can be um, leading to the, to the next step of the sales. It's a sales process, uh, basically, uh, salesmanship 101. So you get them interested and then uh, you, you get them to the school and uh, let them meet some of the students and, and uh, some of the faculty, et cetera, and get a real fit. Uh, you know, where, where's my money going? What, what, what are you really going to do with it? I, that's what people want to know. Everybody loves kids. Everybody wants education, and uh, but you've got to you've got to stand out. I find another good uh, trick is small gatherings. So you have a pipeline of twenty prospects. Um, have a, have a luncheon at one of your board members' house or uh, at some local restaurant. Uh, and usually someone will pick up the tab for that, uh, where you have a small group of people, they interact with each other, probably know each other, but not, uh, uh, even if they don't, they, uh, there's something that's common there. And again, you trot in the, the kids hmm. and let them tell their story. And, um, uh, you know, my, my brother went through and he's a sophomore in college now and, you know, he's, stories like that uh, people people get so uh, buy a salesman's sales how to sell book and uh, there'll be listed for every 20 prospects you have to have uh, five or eight uh, real suspects or real interested people and out of that you close four I'm not sure that statistic works in fundraising but it uh, the uh, algorithm is, is uh, still workable. 
Well, BJ, thank you. And I know um, I love <laughs> you didn't you jumped right at the students. And you're right. That's why yeah. everyone's in this. It's clear uh, practice. Yeah. <laughs> so BJ, to close, we ask all of our guests one final question. Uh, and that is, who was your favorite teacher and why? Oh, boy, my favorite teacher um, was a Jesuit named Henry Higgins of the Holy Cross College of Worcester, Massachusetts. And um, who here is in business class, major in business? You raise your hand. He said, history, take, get rid of all those uh, get get rid of all those business and economic courses and take history. That's where you'll really learn. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you uh, a quick uh, everything you need to know. Um, buy low, sell high. Uh, assets are better than liabilities, and that's it. Now cancel all the courses. Um, in the, in the class was uh, Tommy Heinsohn. I've never heard that name. A great basketball player, played for the Celtics. And he says, and 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 uh, uh, Tom Heinsohn was very very intellectually smart, and um, and went off besides basketball to prove that in in, in other endeavors. But he said, Mister Mister Heinsohn, anybody can put a ball in a little hoop. You know, You've got to read more history and you'll learn about life and, and uh, how to live uh, your life that you're helping others and, and helping yourself and your family at the same time. So, Patty Higgins. Like it's Father Higgins. Well, BJ, thank you for being a guest on the next class. And to our thank listeners, you. if you liked our episode, like it, share it with family and friends. And this is wrapping up season three of the next class. So we'll be taking the summer off and then returning back when schools are in session. So everyone have a great summer. BJ, thank you for joining us. Thank Very you, well. BJ. Thank you, Rob. Yeah.